Ben, have you uh, got your own camera turned off this week so you can't see yourself? Oh, no, I haven't. I'm doing that now. Oh. How do I? I, <laughs> you I just have... hate yourself that much? Uh, oh, no, I, I've... Uh, you know, I can't see you now either. I, I like looking at you because you make me laugh. Uh, I just, look, it's not that I don't like looking at myself. It's I like looking at you, Jacob. You, you can do both. I like reading your visual cues. Ooh, why is my... I think the visual cues are very, very definitely needed, but I also like you having your camera on for me, surely because you are absolutely hilarious with all these hand gestures. And when you do like impressions, I get to see how like concentrated and how odd your face looks when you do these impressions. It's great. Yeah, I have quite an expressive face. Um, yeah, I think that is um, the polite way of putting it. Mm. <laughs> it's it's great. <laughs> there's oh, look, I think. It would mean I'd be amazing on like a reality TV show because I can't, I can't hide what I'm thinking. No, you can't. I've got no poker face, um, which actually, because I know I've got no poker face, means I'm quite good at poker. Are you? Yeah, because people. So what I do is people start to think they can read me, but I'm. I'm quite random in a lot of ways, but particularly yeah. when I'm playing cards, I use very little logic or strategy. But because I use, but because I understand the game, yeah, right. I'm tactical randomness, and I off, I make moves that make other people or do stupid things. Luck. No, there's it's like, well, you know how there's the saying that luck is hard work. Yeah, you make yeah. your own luck. I understand poker. I make my own luck by playing in ways that I think with all card games, you've got to try and shock your opponents out of playing a winning hand. I think you are just a bit mad. Oh, I also think I'm a massive weirdo who's yes, mad. I agree. <laughs> yeah, no. Hello everyone, welcome to the RTE Film Podcast. What a way to start. Ben giving us an insight on how he plays poker. Um, coming up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about The Base, Season 3, Hidden Assets. Uh, we need to talk about all the trailers that have dropped this week. Uh, Nightmare Alley, we're going to be reviewing that. Uh, loads of news has come out this week as well, including some Daniel Radcliffe news, which I'm always here for. Uh, also on the podcast, we are going to be talking about Belfast, which has had a lot of hype. Mm. Uh, according to my mother, because she used to live in Ireland, so she wants to watch it. I don't know how hyped up the show actually is. Um, ben, what have you been watching this week, though, aside from everything that I've just listed? Yeah, um, so aside from everything which you've just listed, which I will say we're going to talk about the Bay properly later on, I did watch all three seasons of it this week, um, which was not good because I had two 2,000-word essays due in to write that I didn't start before this week. So I've been working really hard, genuinely, between uni and my job. But I just, tonight, had my first this real... Job, this job or your um, more stable income Okay, job? between this job, the theatre which pay me, and uni, been very yeah. busy. Um, but <laughs> tonight was the first night I properly had some time off to relax. And I double-billed Ski Sunday, which always makes me want to go on holiday. 
and is brilliant. And Dave Riding, I got to see him win the highlights of him winning the Kutschberg uh, slalom race, if anyone's into winter sports like I am. And Trigger Point, which is ITV's new 9 o'clock Sunday night drama um, that's made by the same people who did Line of Duty. Or I think I, my parents watching this today. Yeah, um, has Vicky McLuhan. I think it's going to be a massive viewing hit for ITV. I mean, big up ITV, just fully snooping in there and getting the people behind Line of Duty. Well, in all fairness, so Jed Mercurio, who's the creator of Line of Duty... Um, he has a production company, can't remember its name, it's from his production company, so he's not really involved, it's not got the same writers or directors, it's just comes from his... They're under the same umbrella. Yes, so really, it's very, it's not really by the people who've made Line of Duty, but there's a connection there, and there's a star of Line of Duty. What? Are they similar at all? Yep, because Trigger Point is also about police. Um, it's it's yeah. a very... It's, I mean, they've know... got to do what works for the company, right? Oh, and actually, Trigger Point, it was the episode, only one episode to come out. It was fucking intense. Like, Do you think it was better than the first ever episode of Line of Duty? Oh, God, you're... I haven't watched the first episode of Line of Duty in probably... Oh, it's got to be a... Well, that episode's about 10 years old, so it's got to be about four or five years since I watched the whole thing. Um, But did this have you hooked in the same way Line of Duty did? Yes, this absolutely had me hooked. It felt like a big blockbuster episode, because it's it's about the bomb disposal unit. Um, Okay. And that's what... So they were trying to dispose of multiple bombs in a housing complex while the bomber was looking at them. And it was kind of similar to the film Boiling Point that came out a couple of weeks ago and on um, video. In the fact, it was very tense and very stressful for the entire time. And my heart hasn't returned to its normal beating. I mean, then we are recording this about an hour and 15 minutes after the show finished. Yeah, well, I only watched it between 10 and 11, so... (laughs) We're recording this 15 we are minutes. We're recording this about 15 minutes afterwards. <laughs> I literally but just finished that, this. I, I, will your heart be beating normally in the morning? I hope so. If it's still going that quickly, I should probably see a doctor. Yeah, you probably should. Um, what have I been watching this week, Ben? Well, I, there's a couple of shows I've been watching, one of which is one of my favourite shows ever. It's now on Netflix, a couple of series of it. I've spoke about it on the podcast before. Ben, you like it as well. Proper comfort TV, Animal Park, uh, was originally on BBC One, but now the 2017 and 2018, or was it 2018, 2019? I think 2017, 2018, uh, two series of it are on um, Netflix now, which is cool. Oh, so now, well, I'm do- I'm still doing Dry January. Um, I'm st- oh, yeah, till I'm- til a week today. Yes, I'm still on the sober wagon till a week today. Um, I- I'm going to give up a day early, I've decided. But um, okay. as soon as I start drinking again, I'm going to need another hangover show to watch, and Animal Park definitely fits the bill. Yeah, um, the other show I've been watching is a show that I know Ben will not like. Do yeah. you know what it is? You can have a guess. What do you think I would have been watching? Stereotypical Z-listers, kind of trashy TV. Oh, is it Celebs Go Dating? Yes. <laughs> I 
So I actually love celebs go dating. What? I thought you'd hate it. No, um, I haven't. I haven't watched this. Thing you hate so many shows like this, but then there's a couple that you are just obsessed with. Uh, I haven't admittedly watched this show this year, but I must have. Right? What? Do you see the TikToks of like Ryan Mark saying? Because I'm not. I'm not on TikTok, so I. Ben, you know Ryan Mark from The Apprentice. Yes, I was aware. I was aware he was on this series. Have um, you heard what he said? He goes on a date with someone. He's from Brighton. He goes, "Oh, people from Brighton, they smell." Yeah, like. <laughs> and then what's her name? The dating expert lady turns out she's from Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "That's not okay." He goes, "People from Brighton, yeah, they do smell. I just stay clear of them." She was like. But that's not okay. Honestly, this so, show's gold, man. It, I it's think great. I watched the first couple of seasons of Celebs Go Dating when Joey Essex was doing it. Then I watched right. it last year when it was in the mansion and was basically Love Island with celebrities. Love with... Corinne, by the way. Yep. Oh, and last year that when there was that properly iconic moment when he goes to the girl, do you have any siblings? And she went, <laughs> yes. no, but... I, have... I still see memes of that today. <laughs> you got any siblings? No. But you I got have... a brother? Yeah. <laughs> that was no, but I have two nieces. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it was watching his face. Also, I love Rob Beckett's voiceovers and Tom is a he national treasure. Tom should be a national treasure as well. Oh, yeah, we love Tom. We love Tom. Um, final thing on, on Celebs Go Dating, Ben, is that uh, I've met Chloe Rocket. I did a scene with her on Towie. Which? Okay, is she on this? Now, I, yeah, I know who Ryan Mark is off this season. I know who Nikita from Married at First Sight is because I watched an episode of that and thought, my yeah. God, you're fucking awful. Yeah, Miles uh, Nazare um, is one from in Chelsea. I haven't um, watched is that it show. A-dubs? I don't know. This Maybe it was just because the cabins got a... No, be, no, not the cabins. That's a different show. The mansion, Celebs Go Dating, the mansion. It felt like this year's lineup was a bit of a downgrade. But I think now it's because last year it got a better lineup than it normally would because of COVID. I think last year was just a different vibe for the show, which intrigued yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, but I felt like um, you had Curtis, who was quite, who was one of the more famous Love Island people. You had yes, Cur- you <laughs> they had... are proper Z-listers, by the way, on this show. Yeah, it's a very loose celebs word being thrown around here. <laughs> well, it's like look at some. It's like just as loose as. Do you remember when Celebrity Big Brother used to get quite vague with? Yes. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, all of the shows co- with celebrities are very used to getting vague. Dancing on Ice this year doesn't isn't one of their connection. I my dad's a footballer. I mean, the thing I love about Celebs Go Dating is that it's a reality show. And they've got people on there from Geordie Shore this year, Made in Chelsea this year, and The Only Way is Essex this year. Yeah, they... That about sums it up. They like to split their celebrities from different shows, which I think the best elements of the show when I watched it was the celebs interacting um, instead yeah. of... You know, it's also... I saw a brilliant... I was reading an article about which dating shows have the best success with relationships. This is firmly rock bottom, this show. 
<laughs> it's never had a like even take me out which okay take me out had a lot of people who went on dates but celebs go dating is one of the only ones that has actually never had a long-term couple what i want to know is naked attraction higher i think naked attraction was higher that is saying something. But no, I think it's because no couple of celebs go dating has ever got married or have kids. Whereas oh, every other I show think has. Any still together. No, none of them are still together as well. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> they very rarely laugh. Well, to I... be fair, celebs go dating is more about the journey of learning how to date. Also, celebrities, particularly male celebrities, not that great at holding on to relationships, quite famously. I think that is a stereotype, Ben. They're quite famously quite big at cheating. I think that is... Yeah, I mean, yes. But what <laughs> was... It was the year that... The woman who was the dating agent before the current one, and she went, if you're single and you don't want to be, you're doing something wrong. And I was like, that is such an insult to every single person who watches this show, which is probably most of the viewers. <laughs> yeah. Ever. <laughs> I'm single. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? I don't know. Um, ben, I feel like we've gone on too much. Before we actually get into the proper reviews, whilst we mentioned The Apprentice and Ryan Mark, The Apprentice this year, what were we thinking? Um, I thought episode three was better than the other two. Um, I thought the end product was better. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the complete and utter chaos and... The Apprentice is, nothing can convince me it's not a cringe comedy that's very deliberately a cringe comedy. Like, nothing can convince me it's not written at this point. Because you sit... How funny was the whole, like, um, vodka thing? That was hilarious. Vodify. How did... Vodify your life. It's that one when you want to taste the other drink to know how bad it was. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not convinced, though, that anyone wants a uh, alcohol-free vodka and coke. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, if you want an alcohol-free vodka and coke, you'll have a coke. Yeah, and, like, I was, I'm using the assumption, because, like, I'm veggie. I'm not attracted really? if... Because I don't like meat. But I'm not attracted... Uh, is it by choice or by taste? Well, by choice, being vegetarian is a choice. So, is it by choice, or do you just not like... Is it by choice, like, you actively don't want to eat meat, or do you just not like the taste, so therefore you don't eat meat? I just don't want to eat meat. I'm an adult. I can make my own decisions. <laughs> I... Well, I could never give up meat. I'm sorry. I just love meat so much. I mean, I respect anyone that does it. I love my reaction. Ooh, why? I can't imagine ever giving up meat, but good for you, ben. But no, so... And I don't find those meat substitutes particularly attractive. So it's like I can imagine sober people wouldn't want to drink an alcohol, a non-alcohol that's made to taste like alcohol, considering a lot of people who are sober either do it because they were alcoholics or they don't like the taste of alcohol. Yeah. Um, also, Mary, the American candidate, I think is shoot fast shooting up to be one of the greatest of all time. Um, she is, in my opinion, iconic. Also, I love how she's live tweeting as the show goes on. I love that. I love it when it feels like it's happening more and more now. The candidates are engaging with it on social media and with the memes. I mean, they just want a big media career afterwards, so I get it. I think people have realised it's a comedy show. 
I think people are realising it's... Well, someone... It's meant to be a business show, right? Yeah, Ryan Marker was on it last year. It's on Celebsco Dating. They want to be celebs a lot of it. I reckon... Yeah, I have nothing against it. I reckon I could get on it. With what's your business idea? Well, I haven't thought of one. But um, I technically started this with your help. So... Uh, you started the whole RTE film brand. Yep. Um, so I've had about five different jobs in the last year. And I'm one of those. I would be quite a interesting personality on that show. Uh, yeah, based off like what we were saying earlier with your poker face, that is a prime example. Ben, do you like this idea? <laughs> yeah. Also, <laughs> also, I'm quite useless at most things, which means watching me do that yeah, thing. Yeah, which means you're going to get out straight away, Ben. I would be... No, I would be that person who he clearly wants to fire, but the producers are telling him you've got to let them stay in a few more rounds. Do you think that happens? I think it definitely happens week one, because if you notice, the most boring person's always sacked for the first <laughs> ha- for the first week. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, although I thought the guy this week was the the first guy to go this year was quite interesting. I don't remember him already. I thought the guy who went this week, I thought Lord Sugar made the wrong call. Who was it again? Um, It was... Okay, the guy who went should have went anyway. Um, He did that whole... He went like... In his leaving interview. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I think they felt... (laughs) I thought the girl should have... The project manager should have went because... She wants to run a bar, but made that drink. Yeah. I No, I think the guy who went this week, I remember him now. He should have gone. <laughs> he uh, wore like a yellow blazer, right? That one. But the thing that I always don't like is when they bring back people who are clearly the wrong people to bring back. I know. Like, it really angers me. Yeah, it was the other guy. I haven't learned their names yet, <laughs> no. clearly. But the other guy who was in it this week... He was like the best performing person on the team. And it looked like her only reason for bringing him back was the fact he had genitals. Yes. And it also was the fact that... um, It was just basically the fact that she needed a scapegoat because he'd been in the room before, hadn't he? Yeah. Oh, she's she was tactical with who she brought back. Like, bringing back the guys instead of the girls was keeping her allies on side. And also, I if you have people who've like, been in... Um, when she was like, oh yeah, I've been told you did this, but you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, also, Brilliant. do you think do you think Karen rehearses her eyebrows? Because I'm starting to think this more and more and more. I don't like her anymore. I used to quite like Karen. I'm not feeling her. This but year. her face, I think this year, is doing way more than it's ever done before. Particularly when she was Maybe tasting she's the drink. Maybe she's done Botox or something and her face is now very expressive i just think she looks in the mirror before everyday shooting and goes like i am aware <laughs> well, this isn't remember this is audible right <laughs> when you get it when you say goes like and then pull all these faces only i can see <laughs> not even you can see because you don't have your camera on for yourself but <laughs> oh man you are you but, do baby but karen definitely practices her faces which is Unbelievable. She does. She definitely does. I'm liking Tim. Um, I'm liking Tim just on a 
there's me trying to actually get into the proper part of the podcast that I think people are actually going to like. But Ben, you, you could just talk about The Apprentice all day, mate. Well, I'm slightly... I think we've got 20 minutes in, so... Um, are we 20 minutes in, are we? Yeah, we're 20 minutes in, and we've just talked about reality TV, and I want to see how far we can stretch this section. I want to have listeners, Ben, so I'm going to take the business stance of, let's get on with the podcast, Ben. Um, Belfast. My mum wants to watch the show. Uh, yep, so the film, directed by Sir Kenneth Branagh, um, it's autobiographical, based on his own experiences growing up in Belford and Belfast. Um, and he was about 10 in the late 1969, I think the film begins. Um, and it opens with a riot um, by a Protestant gang on a Protestant street, um, where you see the literal pavements are ripped up and the streets turn to sand, and it shatters the idyllic um, version of Belfast, which Buddy, which is the Branner S character, grew up in. Now, it's one of those films where you have horrible, horrible things, like The Troubles, um, which, if you're... It's one of the more famous conflicts of the last hundred years. Um, I don't know that much about it politically, and I felt a little bit shamed for not knowing enough. Um, considering how much it's been in the news. So I'm going to stay away from that politics because I don't want to seem like an absolute idiot. But it's certainly one of those... That's also good for you personally to stay away from politics because you can go on when it comes to politics. Yeah, I'm not going to delve into Northern Irish politics. It's not... Thank the Lord! It's not safe. And I'm also... Also, for my own safety, I'm not going to do an impression of the accent. Um... Yeah, but, we'd like to think we've got some Irish fans out there. Yeah, if this reaches Ireland, you can be thankful. Um, but no, it's one of those films that sees the horrors of the event through the eyes of the child. Um, which, That's always so moving. Yeah, so some people... That also means on a practical level, you're not seeing like people shot in kneecaps or beaten up a lot. You have a lot of the family trips to the cinema. Um, so there's a scene where they all watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and they literally treat it like a roller coaster ride. Or you have the fact he's in love with the girl and Buddy's in love with movies. And you have the film's final fight kind of staged like a Western duel. And the romances with another girl in his class feels very much in a rom com esque. But so you have this lovely, sweet, charming film with a kind of dark background of the troubles that's always present and always bubbling up. And I think if you live in a conflict zone, and many people who have lived in conflict zones say this, you kind of live your everyday life, and that stuff's just in the background. And this film... Yeah, you, the family almost get used to the troubles, as awful as they are, Um and Branagh said he didn't feel safe and he's never felt safe after these key events in his life. Um, the cast is phenomenal. You have Jude Hill, who plays 10-year-old uh, Buddy, who's phenomenal. You also have Jamie Dornan from the Fifty Shades franchise playing Branagh's father. He sings and he's an incredible singer. 
He's charming. He's charismatic. If he doesn't win the Oscar, I will be fuming. You have Caroline Balfe as Buddy's mum, who gives the... You can't imagine how awful it must be for parents of kids, knowing that kids their age are being killed. Um, and the horror of do they move to save their kids, but lose their home and lose their family. You also have Kieran Hines and Judy Dench as Buddy's grandparents, who are always there to give great wisdom. Love I, I don't trust people, and I don't want to be friends with people who don't leave this film beaming and smiling. It's beautiful. It's charming. It's ninety minutes. I think. I, I hear people who say they wanted it to be grittier, and I'm like, why? You have the troubles and the politics there, but they're a background thing. It's a more coming-of-age film set in that time. I think the film will probably get double-digit Oscar nominations, and I think it firmly deserves it. It deserves its place among the front-runners for the Best Picture Oscar. Um, I certainly... For me, if I was voting, it would between be between Belfast and West Side Story. Um, even with the cinema I was in, the heating was broken, so it was freezing. And when Jamie Dornham started singing, I'm pretty sure the woman next to me started touching herself from the groan she made. And she was an old woman, and it was very awkward. I still loved this film. I'm so... I was really invested until the end. I've got so many questions about that woman. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and this goes back to your non-poker face. You would have literally have probably looked at her funnily a bit. I can imagine you like turning around in your seat, pulling like a confused face. Like, what the bloody hell are you doing? <laughs> I kind of gave a little look. My eyes darted to the like, side. You want to look, but you don't want to look. You want to look and think, what the fuck is this person doing? But then you also are like, no, I don't want to look because I don't <laughs> want to see if they're doing that. But like, they've got to be doing something. Like, yeah. Yeah, I looked for just long enough that I understood what was happening. And then I decided I didn't want to look anymore and kept looking at the film. And you were sat next to her. She was on, so if you've arrived, she was about four seats down from me, but there was no one between us. Right. Oh, God. Well, thank fuck you weren't sat next to her. Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> it would totally be the thing where you're in a, you're the only person in the cinema, there's two of you in the cinema, and she does it in that. Like, you know when there's only, like, two people in the cinema and they sit right in I mean, front no, of I've you? I mean, no, I've never actually had that. Oh, I get it all the time. I've had it multiple times when I'm the only person in the cinema. That's I'm a... surprised they still bother putting the film on. Well, if you've paid for it, they can't say no. Right. They could say, surely, this... Surely they could say... It's better to get... Yeah, but it's better to get £4.50 than nothing. How much would it have cost them to put on the film, though, for that showing? Well, and stop. considering, well, considering film script that like a cinema will often have like six or seven, maybe even eight films showing at any one point. Yeah. So, 
the costs are negligible for an individual screening, I would assume. Yeah. Or they would obviously make a loss on it, but it's better to have me go and potentially come back than have me go and never come back again. You will always be going back to cinemas then. Oh yeah, because I loved it. I've been earlier today. I went on Friday. I've been, <laughs> I've been, well. I've been like five times in ten days. But wow, that is, I, I would not want to like know your bill from going to the cinemas. But why do you think I have a job? Like yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> student, cinema trips, my student loan didn't do it enough. Also, I've stopped drinking this month, which meant I had a little bit extra cash in the bank. For films? Yes. What else am I going to spend it on? I'm 19. I'm not thinking about a mortgage yet. I don't think any other 19-year-old is thinking, I've got money, I'm going to the cinema. But I respect that you are, and I love that. Actually, um, I think a lot of film people like to... There are people who like to go as often as possible, and Odeon Limitless exists. What? People or person? People. There are lots of people... <laughs> I have lots of friends who go multiple times a month, and Odeon Limitless... Multiple times a month is different than once every other day. Well, I only went once every other day, because there were lots of films I wanted to see. Ben, I'm not just seeing, I'm just finding you up. What we, uh, what rating out of five, how many stars are you giving? Oh, it's totally a five-star film. Totally. Hey, first five-star of the year. Okay, I don't ben, think it is. I think I've gave other. I think tragedy of no, Macbeth was. Have. A... Not this year, or not on the podcast anyway. Okay, thought I had. If... Belfast certainly my favourite film of the year so far. Let's get it. Let's get it. Okay, shall we talk about the news? Oh, I love Robert Pattinson as well. So you got Danny Radcliffe and Robert Pattinson, big Harry Potter stars um, in the news. Um, yeah, it's week. like not really relevant, is it? What? No, the comment I was I was gonna make a comment and about how both of these two were lusted by teenage girls ten years ago. Um but then I decided against it. But I've just said it, so I clearly didn't decide against it. Anyway, Robert Pattinson from Twilight Fame and now brilliant films such as Tenet, he's joining Bong Joon Ho's next film. Uh, Bong Joon-ho, who famously directed Parasite, which won four Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. Um, this film is based off the book Mickey Seven, that sounds essentially like the story of Moon, the 2009 film, and Blade Runner, the iconic film. Look, Bong Joon-ho, he's never missed. Let's be honest, his films are quality. So anything he does will be brilliant. And Robert Pattinson's been brilliant for years. He, Ben, I know, I know you don't love Harry Potter, but he was great in that. Um, yeah, I haven't. I love I Harry Potter. Different. I do love yeah. Harry Potter, yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure where you got that one from. but I just know you don't like franchises. Yeah, no, but Harry Potter, I grew up with that. Um, I... Do think this will be great fun? I think Pattinson's yeah. an amazing actor. His indie films, like Good Time, a few years ago, brilliant. Um, and he's guest starring a new Batman in like next month in March. Is he playing Batman? He's playing Batman. I can't wait to see that. I and don't think he's built enough though, is he? Yeah, maybe. Also, the new Batman's apparently going to be three hours long, so. Oh, wow. I'm going to need to buy some more diapers. Yeah, because 
three hours like going to the toilet. <laughs> I've got old men I've got old man bladder. And you've got old lady orgasming next to you. <laughs> oh if I had a nappy in that case I could have just subtly handed it over. <laughs> Would you like this? <laughs> no, I would <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Imagine the cinema guy, because obviously the CCTV in every room. Imagine someone just sat in the office seeing someone give an old lady a nap. <laughs> Ben's favourite streaming service, Apple TV Plus, has uh, announced that the new Godzilla series, uh, not a new Godzilla series, but their Godzilla series will continue the monsterverse story of Godzilla and Kong. Skull Island. Yeah, so in the wake of basically the Marvel Universe being a massive ass thing, um, Legendary Studios tried to launch a MonsterVerse, which basically saw the 2014 Godzilla film, the 2017 Kong Skull Island, and then last year, the amazingly camp, perfect film, Godzilla vs. Kong, which was so wild and nuts, it became, I loved it. Um, it was like one of my favourite cinema trips of the year, watching Godzilla vs. Kong. It's, I think we're far enough away that I can say this without worrying about it being massive spoilers, but it was a film where they literally gave King Kong CPR via a massive spaceship. So, like, if you haven't seen Godzilla vs. Kong, it is the most spectacularly stupid film of all time and it works every bit for it. So I can't wait to see a live action version of these films because they are so big and so stupid on TV. Um, Apple obviously has the budgets to sink a big country. So this could be, if this is stupid and nuts and camp, I will be there for it. And it's co-created by Chris Black who did Star Trek Enterprise, and Matt Fraction, who recently was excellent show-running Hawkeye. So, please be good. So, big names in there. Big production. Uh, it's going to be on Apple TV+. Plus. Do we know when it's coming out? Um, No, I do not. I think it's an early development. Exciting stuff. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, in other news, is to get a really weird biopic that he's going to be doing. What's the biopic going to be, Ben? So, Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al Yankovic. Um, oh. Which is an American comedian. Um, Jacob, Google him now and then you'll go, how can Daniel Radcliffe look like him? I'm doing a side... Okay, what's it called? Weird in all... Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. Um, well, you've put an all in there, haven't you? Ooh! I know, Daniel Radcliffe's going to transform into Weird Al. So, I want to see Daniel Radcliffe's American accent. I can't imagine it being great, because he's quite posh, isn't he? Yeah, um, look, we I love Daniel Radcliffe's post-Harry Potter career. He's clearly decided, well, I've made my millions as a child, so I'm just going to pick whatever batshit crazy role gets offered to me. I maintain, I think he picks the craziest roles possible after the film he made a couple of years ago where he played a farting corpse. Um, look, I also, think he's, I also think he's a really good actor. On a, not, on a genuine note, I think he's really good. Um, and I think maybe this is the time he finally gets his Oscar. 
It's he not. Got one yet? He's not got one. Well, in if all fairness, Harry Potter cast got one. No, and I'm sure maybe some of the old, older like. People oh yeah, like Maggie the... Smith has two. Um, yeah, but actual like the kids in Harry Potter. No, to my knowledge, none of the no none of the kids have one yet. Um, I think the guy who plays Neville Longbottom. I think he's great. Yes, I do, but I've not seen him in anything. Emma Watson's retired now, I think. I read that somewhere. She debuted in The Beast, didn't she? I think her roles dried up quite quickly. And she does a lot of, like, feminist activist stuff as well. Yeah, so she, I think she prefers... She's excelling that. I think she prefers doing, like, activism. And I also think, unlike... Rupert Grint and Daniel Radcliffe, who kind of extended their careers by going weird and indie. Um, She very much took roles that were quite similar to Hermione. Yeah. Which, like, Daniel Radcliffe will forever be known as Harry Potter, but people still like to cast him in weird, outrageous, crazy things because he does them. Yeah, he does them, and also um, he's a household name. Yeah. Bring in people to watch the films as well. Mm. So, yeah, he's great. Ben, uh, you've also been watching Nightmare... Watching or watched? Is it a film or a series? It's a film. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've stopped putting more details at the top of it for you. I I wrote the yeah. notes very quickly tonight. Um, so, this yeah, is you're the... you busy watching the thing that was disrupting your heart. Yeah, I was too busy watching things and having a kind of quiet night in. Um, I'm thinking and, about old women. And my sense. parents called me as well, so it's like, I had to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Had to talk to them. <laughs> well, they called me, so... Uh, like, you know, if someone calls you, you have to speak to them. Yes. Oh, gosh. I'm really not looking forward to the moment I go to university and I... Do your parents constantly text you? Um, so I we're in contact quite often. Do they text you me like what you think like? Because I know I will. No, but I call my parents every couple of days and I think there is an art to it where you keep your parents in the loop just enough that right. they don't bother you annoyingly. So, <laughs> yes. And also like I tell my mum little things and stupid things. <laughs> yeah, I tell her enough that I don't have to say anything big. Or okay, I do occasionally tell her dangerous things. Interrogate you and ask questions because she thinks she yeah. knows everything. So I talk to her about like um, what f- sport fixture I just watched or what tweet I just found funny. So it stops her asking if I'm eating enough. <laughs> I think that's going to be my mum. What are you having for tea tonight? I'm like, oh, I, I just know it's going to happen. I'm not even there. Yeah, so you have to distract them by talking about completely random shite. Yeah. <laughs> and then they don't ask, why are you still single? Yeah, I mean, my mum my goes, whenever my mum's drunk, her go to is, have you got a girlfriend? I go, no, mum. She goes, why not? I go, Oh, I'm not interested at this age. Too young. When realistically, it's no one wants me. Well, just do what I do whenever I'm feeling really single. Download Tinder and you can actually, I'm not going to finish this. Hey, I've actually, 
obviously, Ben, I am paying full attention to this podcast, but my phone, whilst I've been on this podcast, my phone's buzzed a couple of times. Look at that. Got two new matches on Tinder. Woo! Uh, like, my Tinder never goes off when I'm back home in Dorset. Admittedly, I'm not back home that much. Yeah. Yeah. But it's. Let's just say I don't have to set my net out of particularly wide range when I'm in Southampton to get matches. That's good. That is good. Maybe I just need to come to Southampton for a day and I'll get loads of matches. Yeah, you are. Anyway, Ben, Nightmare Alley. Was it a nightmare to watch or was it thoroughly enjoyable? So this film is a film of kind of two halves and there's a two-year time gap. It's Guillermo del Toro's latest film. He's just come off the back of The Shape of Water, which he made a few years ago, which won Best Picture at the Oscars. He's directed films like Pan's Labyrinth and Pacific Rim. With Those are the two that come to my head first. Um, this film start, uh, follows a down-on-his-luck um, guy called Stanton Carlyle, who we first meet burning down his family home, played by Bradley Cooper, who starts with nothing and joins a carnival, um, where he meets clairvoyant um, Zena, played by Tony Collette, and her mentalist husband, Pete, played by David Strathairn. And they teach him how to do these kind of mentalism tricks, fraud people um, at the carnival. Then you skipped about two years later, where him and his assistant Molly, played by Rooney Mara, are tricking dangerous New York tycoons with the help of a mysterious psychiatrist played brilliantly by Kate Blanchett. Um, so, Guillermo del Toro is phenomenal at world building. That's what he's famous for. It's yeah. why he's been... It's why he's an immortal director. His stuff's never far from horror or fantasy. This time he's playing a bit more with the film noir genre, a bit more. This, I have to say, I think this is a film of two halves. I think the second half is phenomenal. It's tense, it's dark, it's interesting, the emotional beats pay off. Kate Blanchett's phenomenal, Bradley Cooper's likeable, even while his character's doing some pretty unlikable things. And it's a massive improvement from the first half, which an hour and ten minutes in, I was really struggling and thinking, I've got to watch another hour of this film because it's a long film. I thought the stuff in the carnival was too slow and too static, and I thought it wasted the brilliant actors like William Willem Dafoe and Tony Collette. Um, so the first half of this film I found really challenging and really boring because it was setting up the brilliant set second act which is visually phenomenal and it's thematic. The film is one of those films that are like every shot in it you could hang up on your wall. It's not as accessible as Guillermo del Toro's other work and I feel like people are either going to love it or hate it and maybe on a second watch, I think on a second watch it'll be much better. Right. At the moment, I kind of liked it, but didn't love it, and I felt like it was too long. Um, but I will probably, I can't wait till this ends up on streaming, so I can... Will you go back to the cinema and watch it, or are you not in that much of a rush? You'll just re-watch it when it's on stream. I don't want to re-watch it in the cinema, because I don't really have another two and a half hours to give to it in a cinema. Yeah. Um, 
also I kind of found the first half innately boring so I would quite like to watch it. Well that's it never in... a good thing is it? No I do think once you know the ending though the first half's probably slightly better. Um, also I've heard they're releasing in America a black and white cut of this film. Now Belfast is in black and white and I think black and white I'm a massive convert to it. I think particularly See, if you I watch... I don't a... like it at all. I don't... I find it very frustrating. I think, particularly if you see it on the big screen, that always helps. But I feel like black and white really lets you into the character's souls a bit more. And I think it right. really highlights the acting instead of colour. I feel like can be quite distracting sometimes. And okay. I feel like with the darks and the greys and the mysterious actions... I think this film will be brilliant in black and white. So I can't wait to watch the black and white cut of it. I wonder if that may have made it more rich than the colour palette that they showed. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting that you come out of a film and think, I wanted, wanted to have watched that in black and white. But I don't normally. It's just because I, and I didn't think I wanted to. I liked it. As it is, but because I know there's a black and white cut coming out, I want to watch that now. Because I want to not just compare it, but I also think it will be more, and it will add an interesting depth. And, and I do know. Do you think having watched Belfast this week has helped you with that decision? Because obviously that's in black and white, and you love that. Um, I think genuinely black and white makes the acting seem. I know it has no effect on the acting, but I feel like it helps you really look into the souls of the characters. Um, yeah. Whereas colour, I think, often makes you look at exteriors a bit more, whereas black and white helps you really get into the interior. Um, that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, because obviously some films just would not work in black and white, right? Yeah, and some films would not work in colour. Like, Yeah. No, it's really but interesting, actually. It's an interesting choice, and I personally, I prefer... Uh, yeah, I do think I... But this film is beautiful, and I think it's interesting, and the performances are, across the board, excellent. And I think Guillermo del Toro is a really mature director. It's Nas Wimsey's other films. I just think the first half is really difficult to get through. But once you get through it, the film really picks up. Okay, Ben, what are you giving Nightmare Alley? How many stars is that getting? High three stars, low four stars. Wow! I thought you were going to go two and a half to three. No, because the second act is really phenomenal. And I really want to watch it again. And I thought the cast How many stars would great. would you give the first act? About a two, two and a half. Like, the first act's not bad. It's just I expected it to be better because of the people who are in it. Yeah. But that, that, was, that was a really interesting and insightful review, that, Ben. Okay, the trailers that have dropped this week. Has the Lord of the Rings trailer? Is it out? So, first, so we had a title reveal for The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which, that is a bad name if I ever saw one. 
Like they, I think it's quite good. They could have just went with the Rings of Power. I feel like people would have realised it was the Lord of the Rings show. Yeah. Or I think the Lord the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power is quite a good name. Yeah, but there's quite a lot of rings quite close together. True. Like, or maybe like the Rings of Power, a Lord of the Rings story would have been a better. It's clearly cynical the title. Anyway, they did this beautiful title reveal video that you can watch. Yeah, I will go watch that it's... straight after this podcast. Yeah, it's kind of quite similar to the Game of Thrones titly things, where they're like forging the name out of gold because it's all about the forging of the rings and you have yeah. Moyford Clark who plays the young Gadriel doing a voiceover and the show's I'm coming really out in September and I'm so excited yeah so excited I have we got new Mandalorian around September time as well I reckon we may I reckon new Mandalorian will be about November December right because they've got to get Obi-Wan in there um, That's going to be very, like, Bad Batch time, I reckon. Yeah, that'll be about... So, you've got Book of Boba Fett, which ends in a couple of weeks and has been panned. Panned? Yeah, loads of people don't like it. I think you're one of the only people who actually likes it. I... It could have been better, I'm going to admit. I don't think it's going to get a second season. Yeah, I, I've heard... I don't actually think I've heard anyone say it's great. I think it's Disney. Plus I never. Th- I say I like it. I never say it was amazing. Yeah, I. I didn't. I famously said I thought it looked cheap and like a toddler made it. But you've got that, which ends in a few weeks. Then you've got our next trailer, which we're going to talk about, Moonlight, which will run for six weeks from March the thirtieth. So that'll be into mm. mid-May. Kenobi will probably be immediately after that for six weeks. Then you've yeah. got. Other shows like What If, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, all coming out. I don't think they'll follow up Kenobi immediately with The Mandalorian. Because I think if you put Star Wars too close together, um, it's a lot of time to spend on Tatooine. <laughs> like, I, gen- mean, I, be, be, I don't think... Man- oh, no, Mandalorian, he does go to Tatooine, doesn't he? But you see yeah. my point. Lord Live-action Lord of the Rings can be quite samey. Yeah. I don't think they've found an effective way to get around that. I, there's a, Boba Fett, Tatooine, Kenobi is going to be on Tatooine. Like, yeah, there's get a... Get away from Tatooine a bit. Like, there's a whole universe to explore, but... Star Wars only seems to... There's a (laughs) whole universe to explore, but Star Wars seems to only ever explore sandy deserts. Um, Tatooine. Or or if you're a a sequel kind of person, uh, what even was that planet called? Jakar? I have no idea where they found Rey. I, I, I have no idea. That's just how shit it is, but it's like a... Basically, a shit Tatooine without any huts. Yeah, I don't know, but I always. Jakku! I do, I do think Star Wars runs a problem with the more Star Wars you have, the more innately the same it feels. I think. I think they need to go full on and do a 
because the Marvel TV shows have all felt different and they've all felt within separate genres. Yeah, I think Kenobi will feel different. I'm sure it will, but I think Marvel's doing better than Star Wars at keeping itself feel fresh. Okay, interesting. And the next trailer is the next Marvel TV show, Moon Knight, which we all saw Oscar Isaac, who's playing the central character, Superhero Moon Knight. I don't read comics. Is it Moon Knight or Moon Knight? Because you've written Moon Knight here on the Yep, it's Moon Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T. I don't read comics, so if you want, if you want like an in-depth analysis of the trailer, you're not going to get it from me. What you are going to get is what the fuck was his accent going on? He's like, I don't know the difference between waking life and dreams. He's doing such. This is why I love you having your camera on because you just look like a duck when you did that, and whenever you do your impressions, you feel the need to come a lot closer to the camera. Yeah, it's it's such a weird voice Oscar Isaac's doing there. Um, he's going full Dick Van Dyke, um, oh, and dear. I love how Americans are going. It's such a good London accent, and every British people is going. That's the what worst. The every Brits went. What I don't know. Waking up from dreams. I'm. I'm a. He's he's clearly schizophrenic or something. It's weird. I don't know why they cast Americans to do British accents. I just don't know. Well, why I think the it. thing from my understanding. This is a character with multiple personalities. So it is quite possible that one of the personalities who's never lived in London thinks he's from London, which is how he would pick up a terrible accent. I don't know. I I think from... Because they also did a trailer reaction video and Oscar Isaac seemed quite in on the fact that the accent's not a good London accent which makes me think it was more of a choice. You've also got long-haired um, Ethan Hawke. Long-haired mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke, and he's playing the villain, um, who seems to be one of those kind of preacher-esque villains, which could be exciting. Um, but if Oscar Isaac, like, it looks from the trailer that he'll be giving a performance as unhinged as Jared Leto in House of Gucci. That's what I always think of when I think of bad accents. you doing that? It's not. I will never be able to talk... haven't mentioned the dick yet and you've done that. Yeah. I'll never be able to talk about accents without doing a Jared Leto impression at this point. But, um... Like... I have faith in Moon Knight to be good because Oscar Isaac doesn't make bad things. Moon Knight, Ben. You keep saying light. Sorry, the words are similar. Um, so, but, you know, that trailer I thought was quite nonsensical. Which could be really interesting, because you like things that are a bit wacky, though, don't you? Oh, yeah, I like things that are batshit mental. So, it could be interesting. Uh, trailer has also dropped this week for Vikings. Yeah, is it called Vikings? It's called. It's a spin-off show of Vikings on coming to Netflix on the twenty fifth of February, called Vikings Valhalla. Um, it's uh, well, Ben. Based on what you said with Lord of the Rings, it should just be called Valhalla then. Yeah, but at least Vikings. Ah, I caught you out. No, actually, actually, yeah, no, because here's the thing: Vikings Valhalla. Those are two different words. Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. That is practically the same sentence said twice. Um, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I'm just saying, that's practically repeating itself. Anyway, the Vikings Valhalla, uh, it's set 100 years after, when Leif, Eriksson, Friedrichs, and Harald Hadra, I'm um, sorry for my bad Norwegian Viking pronunciation, uh, fight Ki Norman King William the Conqueror. Jacob, do you know who William the Conqueror is? Yes, I do. Good. He fought Henry Hadrada, or Harold Hadrada, and William the something else. Your Norman history is better than mine is. Yes, 1066. Yeah, I would love it. If, I, I would love to see the Battle Look, of Hastings. William, William the Conqueror fought Harold Godwinson. And I think Harold Godwinson fought Harold Hadrada. And then there was Edgar the Eighthling, who was also in line. And it was 1066, the Battle of Hastings. I can tell you all about that if you want. I mean, you probably don't want to hear it, but I actually know. Can I just say you're a history student as, as a, you're a history student? I'm seriously impressed by your deep knowledge there. I know, me too. Uh, yeah, I... Look... This looks and I'm like... right as well, by the way, with this knowledge. I fully am. Go fact check me. Oh, I'm not going to go fact check you. I, I, I think you're right off the top of my head as well. Um, this looks it like another... It looks like another Viking show. So if you like Vikings, you'll probably like <laughs> this. I'm just saying. We've also got The Northman, the Robert Eggers horror Viking film coming out. So if you're a fan of Norse gods and North Viking and people hitting each other with axes... You've got some great fun coming to you at the beginning of this year. Do you like Vikings, Ben? Um, I do like what? a little bit of a... <laughs> what type of question is that? Do you like Vikings? Do you like Vikings? I've, I don't hate Vikings. Is Benedict Cumberbatch a Viking? No, he's... Has he yet... I don't think he's yet played a Viking. <laughs> we should watch... He's quite a good Viking, though. Yeah, oh, he would be a great Viking. Um, we need to talk to his... Well, his agents have kind of gone to contact with me asking to stop talking about his knob. But, um, no, they haven't. They haven't. <laughs> of course, of course they haven't, Jacob. We don't have enough listeners for that. But... <laughs> I got so excited. That was a lot. No, they haven't. I actually got really excited then. When they come back, he obviously does look a bit like a Viking. Though, oh, he could totally play a Viking. He's our spiritual mascot of the podcast. He could totally play. Bendit Cumberbatch, you have redeemed yourself. You are no longer just a guy that gets his cock out. You are a Viking that gets can... his cock out. Yes, that is... Is this a place quickly, Ben, to talk about Idris Elba? I sent you it on Instagram this week. Rumour has it he's been uh, contacted by the team behind James Bond to play James Bond. Now, I think he'd be amazing at the role. I've said that on the podcast a few mm. times. You don't think he's going to be chosen because you want a young Bond, right? So, I have said I think a young Bond's the way to go. I I do still think that. Also, I've, like, the Lad Bible Instagram post you sent me, It the story really is Barbara Broccoli was doing an interview for Variety Um because they're trying to get No Time to Die nominated at the Oscars, basically. They're doing a lot of press for that film. It's not. Yeah. It's one of those things that probably won't happen, but it's not a million miles away, so it might happen. So I, I, I think, think so many people want it to happen as well. Yeah, so, and I think the question, I also think they may think it has quite a strong chance to get in at the BAFTAs as well, considering it's British and it 
made a billion dollars over here, pretty much. It made a gazillion, however much money. It took all the money from us Brits. Um, and they asked, is Idris Elba the next Bond? And I feel like she was going for a clickbait headline to get people talking about Bond when they make their awards votes as well. And she went, he's one, he's someone we're considering. Now, I mean, he probably is. I'm sure he is. He's one of the biggest British film stars. He's always on the top of those lists. Yeah. Um, but people have been going with that he's been cast. He hasn't. They're just considering him. They're probably considering hundreds of different people at the moment. It's like how when Russell T. Davis is being asked about who he's going to cast as the next Doctor, he's going, well, we're considering these people when you ask them. Because, of course, Barbara Broccoli's in that interview. She's not going to go, no, it's not going to be Idris Elba. She's no. going to she's gonna <laughs> go. hide that up a bit. Do you think, even if he's not James Bond, do you think he's going to be involved in the franchise in some way? I think he should. I think, yeah, I reckon he, I think he'd make a great Bond villain or... Or I would love to see I'd him love as that. M. He just rather than goes James Bond, he'd be the villain. Yeah, I, think I would. Cool. I would also love to see him as M. Um, right. but like not like the Ralph Fiennes, Judy Dench type M who stays behind a desk. I'd love to see him as like an older agent who gets his dick no, who gets his gun out a bit. <laughs> With Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, cast Benedict Cumberbatch as James Bond, and you can have. Both Idris Elba I think and... John Boyega would be a sick James Bond. The it's not going to be John Boyega because he's apparently quite difficult to work with. I still think he'd be quite a sick James Bond. Yeah, but um, he's one of those people who's famously not amazing to work with. So, is he actually? I always think he comes across as a right good lad. Um, I'm sure he's lovely, but he's done stuff like famously walked off sets while shooting. I haven't quite a lot of actors done that. No, it's very rare that people will actually quit and force the production to close halfway through it. (laughs) Like, that's legitimately voiding your contract. It's like not turning up to work. But if you don't turn up to work in the film industry, obviously people realise you're not good to work with. Yeah, And he's done that a few times and he's also called out Disney, his ex-employers, which is fair. Right, so, though. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with his reasonings, but I do think there's a thing of you're publicly... He called them out on the press tour of The Rise of Skywalker, which is... So that's not... People who... Actors and directors who call out a film while promoting it... It's not normally a great move for your career. It's professional, is it? It's not. It's part of your job to sell the shit you've just made. And then in five, ten years' time, you can go, yeah, that wasn't very good, was it? But for at least a couple of years, you have to pretend like you actually liked the film you made. But if there was racism, then I think John Boyega potentially, morally, has done the right thing. Hmm. Yeah, um, if it was behind the scenes, it was, but his complaints also were a little bit of, yeah. I I mean, to be honest, I don't think any character, any actor's characters were treated well in that trilogy. No, um, 
I think that trilogy was a mess, and I think everyone knew it, um, because they tried to retcon eight, like trying to get rid of a film, the previous film, but yeah, it it was a mess. It was terrible. It was. I'm not sure how much racism comes into part of the fact that the whole films were just shoddily made off the hoof, and they yeah, gave they them. They have no clue plan. Yeah, they had to make. I think if you was it billions, uh, Lucasfilm was sold for. Yeah, must have been. You think if you're spending billions amounts of dollars, you would have a clear plan what you want to do with the films? Not yeah, and considering they bought Marvel for a couple of million dollars as well, and they launched such a clear and tactical plan with that. You would think that Star Wars... They don't know what they're doing a bit. Yeah. It, Star Wars was a mess. Anyway, it's January. Um, I don't know about you, Jacob, but I like to watch a good bit of crime dramas in January. This is just what you've been binging for the last week. Oh, yeah, I totally am not just reviewing the stuff I've been watching now because, like, yeah. But I... When it's January, I love to watch a detective show when you've got the dark nights and it's cold outside. So I've right. we've had a couple that have come out the last couple of weeks, so I thought I'd go through them quickly. Go on. So firstly, you've got the third season of The Bay, which is the Morecambe-based detective drama. Um, now, there's been a big change this third season as... Marsha Thompson is taking is the new lead as a family liaison officer. DS Jane Townsend, who's taken over from Morven Christie's DS Lisa Armstrong, who left the show but wasn't killed off, so she could come back. Because I think the Bay will go on and on and on and on and on for like twenty five years at this point. I think it's got the makings of a show that keeps on running. Now, I've watched all three seasons and all six episodes of the third season. Um, I literally went, I devoured it like I eat, like at the same speed I eat a packet of Ruffles. Um, just gorging on them. You, The crime, the third season, you saw a body that's come washed up off the beach um, of a young boy called Saeed, who, Saf, called Saf, um, who was a top boxer and a prospect, but he's clearly been killed. His mum becomes an alcoholic because you would if your son dies. His deaf brother hears everything because he can read people. And Townsend's personal life is a mess because what detective drama... You don't have a good detective drama if the lead detective's life is happy, do you? Nope, they've also got to be very depressed. Mm. They've got to wear long coats. The Bay does have yeah. good long coat game. Um... It sounds shit. The name, The Bay, sounds shit. I know, I like The show sounds good. I don't think The Bay is a very good name. I think it is because it's talking about the Morecambe Bay. I I love the show. I, oh, it's, but it's one of those things. I finished the third season and I don't know if it's coming back for a fourth. I think it will considering its viewing figures are high. They're about five million. Which... But do you want it to? If it does, I probably would... Do you would... love things to end after series three? Well, it's not a conclusive ending. It's like, I could take or leave another season. I probably wouldn't watch it, but it feels like the type of show, a bit like Silent Witness, 
or Vera or Lewis. It feels like one of those shows that could run and run and run. Or Death in Paradise. It's got that type of format. And they've just done a lead change. So they've proven you, they are willing to. So I feel like this is going to be one of those British crime dramas that keeps on going. Exciting. Um, ben, you've also been watching another crime. Uh, f- uh, is it film or is it documentary? Um, or this is, is a six-part such show on BBC iPlayer. It's an Irish... Is it based off a real event? Nope. It's So I do believe that we are getting to the point where every single police department will have had a TV show made about them. Um, because yeah. this Irish crime department, it follows the uh, Crim- Irish Criminal Assets Bureau, um, which are basically the people who look at the money. They're like the police accountants. Um, and Emma Berry, who's a detective played by Angeline Bull, she discovers a bag of diamonds found in a local drugs bust that leads to a number of terrorist bombings um, that lead the team to Belgium, specifically Antwerp. Um, and it's kind of an Irish drama that's also set in Antwerp. It's like a cross-European thing. It's multinational. It's got a good hook. I watched all six episodes in about 24 hours. So that was a binge. It's enjoyable. I don't... It's not unique or interesting. It's not as good as The Bay or Trigger Point or Line of Duty or Mayor of Easttown. But if you like um, kind of detective shows, Hidden Assets is not a bad one. It's a very detective podcast this week, isn't it? We've had Hidden Assets, The Bay, and um, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, um, it's January. It's that time of year. I think people like kind of this type of show. Out of the three, which one would you say is the best? So I wouldn't call Nightmare Alley a detective show. But but if you want three, I'll do Trigger Point as well. I think Trigger Point is shaping up to be a phenomenal six-part series. I love the yeah. bay. I think that's better than hidden assets, personally. Exciting stuff. Exciting but stuff. Well, Ben, we've reached an hour. We've bloody done it. What time are we on? We're on an hour and nine minutes and 55 seconds. I mean, let's be honest, it's probably about 40 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought this week out of all weeks would be the longest by like 10 minutes you wouldn't think that would you we have this is a new record for off-topic conversations yeah but kind of relevant at the same time yeah i feel like both of us have just been playing Tourette's with film and tv conversations (laughs) (laughs) yes we have indeed uh on today's podcast we have learned that ben doesn't have a poker face, but he's very good at poker. Uh, we have learnt that uh, who looks like a Viking? Bendit Cumberbatch looks like a Viking. Um, and Ben does like Vikings. Um, and we managed to do that without mentioning his knob too much. Um, at Artic You Film on Twitter, if you want to get in touch, go Google us, Artic You Film on Google, and read all of Ben's excellent written reviews. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Go on, leave us a five-star review, leave us a cheeky comment. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to email us, benheath101 at gmail.com. Ben, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, Ben might even reply. Oh, um, I actually, I don't reply. I've got 600 unread emails. So, <laughs> it's, well, please email. Not... Maybe, maybe you should be actually... like a 
New Year's resolution to reply to emails. Actually, or if anyone, if, I do. if anyone emails us, in all fairness, I will probably read it out uh, on the podcast. Like how we read out any of people who actually write reviews. Like, it, particularly like, if it's... We read out one review. Well, we only have one review, in all fairness. <laughs> and <laughs> it was a bloody good one. But It was a bloody good one. If that, you give us... Was, a... Oh, I just marked all my emails as un- unread. I'm a fucking idiot. Well, mark them all <laughs> as read. <laughs> now, you just press the opposite. Yeah. But no, if you give us a one-star review, we'll read that out as well. Like, any anything will... Anyway. It's just going up and up on my amount of unread emails right now before it goes down. We're currently on 5,000. It's just keeping going up. Anyway, that wraps up another podcast this week. Ben, thank you so, so much. Enjoy your cinema and old ladies in cinemas. It's another thing we've learned this week. Catch you in the next one. And uh, take care, Ben. Go wild on Saturday, mate, for the end of dry January. Woo! See you next week. Bye. Bye.